Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night Mishle class, another edition. Studying this incredible Sefer, tonight's Shi'ur is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Yosef Beniluz in memory of Isaac Beniluz, Yichroni Racha, as well as Mr. and Mrs. Danny Chai in memory of Hana Fru Machai, Zichronali Vrachati, Nafsham Surabi Torah Hayim. Of course, with the words of Torah that we say this evening be not only an inspiration to us, but help bring an aliyah to their neshama. We are in the middle of chapter 6, Perik Vav, in this holy sefer. We're kind of in the middle of something, but we're not in the middle of something. And part 2 of this chapter, in a previous uh, recording that we made last week, you we talked about the power of the Torah in many ways. We spoke about how to seek ways to keep the commandments. But more importantly, we spoke about the power of the Torah and how the Torah is the light and the mitzvah is the lamp. We spoke about that uh, more very famous pasuk, Kiner Mitzvah Torah Or. And it's through the Torah and the effects of its study that allows us to shine a path for us um, and as well have HaKadosh Baruch Hu provide us with everything that we need because He is the ultimate source of light. The, what we're going to talk about today is what other benefits does this Torah have, but it's going to focus on the, the idea, the notion to guard ourselves from evil. Through the Torah, we're able to guard ourselves from evil, more specifically, that of an Isharaah, an uh, evil woman. And this evil woman we have spoken about in the past in this book, it is often a metaphor for idolatry or heresy or any any other type of um, f- foreign god not following the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But as well, you can also interpret this to mean that uh, exactly what it says, which is an evil woman. Don't follow an evil woman. So we are on Perik Vav Pasuk Kaf Dalit, verse 24, for those of you following uh, at home in a sefer or listening to live or listening to on a recording wherever you are in the world. So we begin with Perik Vav Pasukav Dalid, again in the continuation of this idea that the Torah is this light that is now protecting us. And here Shlomo Amelech writes, Lishmorcha Meeshetra Mechelkat Lashon Nochriya, to guard you. From an evil woman, from the smoothness of a woman's tongue. The Torah has the ability to protect you from a woman of evil behavior. Rashi interprets this as a reference, like we said, to idol worship. The severity of idol worship of Avodah Zarah is equivalent to all other transgressions. We know that the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed. One of the reasons was because of Avodah Zarah. It was one of the cardinal sins. Because if it's not this what it's talking about, what is the great praise and reward for Torah? Merely that it protects us from an adulteress? So Rashi says you cannot take this pasuk to be, be literal, that you're just protecting from adulteress. What about all the other things? So here it's referring to the, the heresy, the avodah zarah, the idol worship that is um, linked to adultery. Idolatry is very much linked and likened to adultery because it is a betrayal of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to whom a Jew owes his loyalty to. Just like a husband owes his loyalty to his wife, and by being unfaithful, 
and taking someone else, another woman, he's being unfaithful and not loyal to his wife. So too, a Jew that serves another god or follows the ways of the pagans or any other um, a deity, then they, they, they themselves are betraying HaKadosh Baruch Hu. From the smoothness of a woman's tongue. These, these, the, those that fight for idolatry, the, the organizations that go out there and try to convince others to join their cult and their group, they have this smoothness of tongue. They talk so meticulously. They talk so properly. It's, a, it's, like, it's so convincing that you're automatically drawn. The same thing, this foreign woman's tongue has the ability to persuade others to join and jump over onto her side. Al tachmod yofiyah Shlomo HaMelech says here, Do not covet her beauty in your heart and do not let her captivate you with her eyelids. Don't let her take your wisdom from you without or with her with her eyelids, with her winking eyelids, just as someone would wink and try to grab your attention. Same idea. A person always has to be um, particular and be aware of the influences that affect his heart and his eyes. Torah says, we read every day in Shema Yisrael, Velo taturu and don't explore after your heart and after your eyes. It's going to happen. We are going to be enticed. Our heart is going to drive us. The lust is going to drive us to certain directions. Our eyes will take us and, and want to see things that we don't. We shouldn't be seeing. The heart and the eyes are the spies of the body that seek out the sins. In introduction to the next pasuk, I actually want to do something I don't normally do which is, quote, a Gemara. And this Gemara will have a lot to do with the next Pasuk. The Gemara is found in, in Masechet Sota, page 4b, Davdal al-Amud Bet. There, there's a statement in the name of a rabbi named Rav Avira who said it in the name of Rav Asi. And this is his statement. His statement says, Kol ha'ochel lechem belo netilat yadayim, anyone who eats bread without washing his hands, is as if he had relations with a harlot, with a prostitute. For the Pasuk says, quoting our next Pasuk that we're about to study in Mishlei, because for the sake of a, of a licentious woman, one may beg for a loaf of bread. So Rava has takes issue with this. What do you mean for the sake of a harlot, one begs for the loaf of bread? Should be the other way around. Be'ati karlachem, for the sake of a loaf of bread, he'll beg for a uh, for a harlot. Elama Rava. So Rava changes the statement. And Rava says, Kol haba al-isha zona, anyone who has relations with a harlot, lesof mevakesh ki karlechem ve'eno moset. In the end of his life, he will end up searching for a loaf of bread and will not find one. The Maharsha, one of the great commentators on the Talmud, says, you got to really take this literally here. 
So read it literally. And he says that a person who involves himself in uh, adultery or any form of znut, harlotry, it brings him to destituteness, to poor, to becoming poor. As we're going to see another pasuk later on in Mishlei, that a person who's roezonot, who, who goes with the harlots, will lose all of his possessions. And he says, what's the, connected, the connection to Netilat Yadayim? That the person who eats without washing his hands, he has the same punishment. Aniyut. He has the same punishment of losing his wealth. And in fact, the acronym, the acronym for Al Netilat Yadayim, the first three letters is Ain for Al Netilat Nun Yadayim is Yud, which spells Ani. Ani is poor. So not, if a person does not fulfill the mitzvah of Netilat Yadayim, he, God forbid, would come poor. By the way, our Chachamim say the opposite, that if a person fulfills the mitzvah of Netilat Yadayim with a proper kavanod, using lots of water and a big keli, and is meticulous to perform the mitzvah, it's the opposite of Ani. He will become Ashid. The Ayun Yaakov here says something beautiful. He says two points here that I want to share with you, and then we'll go back to, to Mishlei. He says that the source of Netilat Yadayim in the Torah, or remez to it, is the pasuk that says, Ve'it Kadishtem, that you shall become holy. And this is in reference to the first waters, which is Netilat Yadayim before bread. That every time you find a reference to holiness, like the word Vehit Kadishtem, the source, the root word is Kadosh, that is a fence to protect you from Erva, from immorality, as, as well as the opposite. And therefore, a person who doesn't act with Kedusha, who doesn't act with holiness, Ve'ochel Belo Netila, and each without netilat yadaim, ke'ilu ba'la It's like you're having relations, God forbid, you're being immoral with a zona. Sha'atumah goveret alav, because the tumah now is, is taking control over him, and there, because you have no kedusha. He says that this is the reason why, in the end, like Rava says, a person that goes with a zona, in the end he's going to search for bread. The, one of the Ten Commandments, the Aseret HaDibrot that we have, is that Lo Tachmod Eshet Re'echa. The last Ten Commandments is that a person can, should not covet the wife of his friend. And then the Pasuk says, Veshoro Vechamoro Vechol And his ox, and his donkey, and everything that your, that your friend owns. Question is, why not just say, don't covet everything that your friend owns? Why, why do you start with the wife and then the house, and then the ox, and then the donkey. And he says, because a person had he uh, had lust for his friend's wife, and he became poor. That was his punishment. That it was is the ultimate yisurin, the ultimate affliction that he can that he can attain is that of poverty. And avera goreret avera, one sin leads to another sin, and that now causes him to lust uh, after everything. Desire everything that his friend owns. But here's the chidush. Unbelievable chidush. He writes, he says, and I quote, Umehai ta'ama. It's for this reason, Haya Yosef mashbir bar lekol This is the reason why Yosef was in charge of providing food in all of Egypt. 
He was the one in charge to provide people with sustenance. Why? Since they accused him of being with Potif, the wife of Potiphera, to show specifically that their accusation was false. It was lies. Because look, I am now providing sustenance and food and ochel and wheat and bread for the entire land of Egypt. And therefore, if I really did do the Avera with the wife of Potifera, then there would be no way I'd be doing this because I'd be poor. That would be my punishment. So Shlomo Melech here says, back to our Pasuk, Ki be'ad isha zonam ad kikar lachim. Because for the sake of a licentious woman, one may beg for a loaf of bread. A harlot may cause someone to become impoverished and lack all the good things until the point that he has to go beg for bread. Like we said, the companion of harlots will lose a fortune. The Vilna Gon takes this one step deeper. And he says this is referring to a person who pursues his desires. So he's going to forget all of his Torah knowledge and he's going to be reduced to a state of poverty in Torah that he won't even know a single law. Because lechem, bread, is a metaphor for the Torah. Chachamim foretell that Torah knowledge will be forgotten in Eretz Yisrael to such an extent that in the future a woman is going to take a loaf of terumah bread, which is bread made from the Kohen's portion, and that bread has to be kept ritually pure. And that woman is going to take this bread and go from Bet Midrash to Bet Midrash, study hall to study hall, to ascertain if it's pure or impure. And no one's going to have the ability to answer her because they've lost all their knowledge due to the low level of holiness. Ve'eshet ish nefesh An adulterous woman can ensnare a precious soul. Again, through her smooth talk, like we spoke about at the beginning of the shiur, this adulteress has the ability to grab and trap a soul, a holy soul, one that was free of sin, and bring it to total destruction. That's what the Meiri says. Every soul is a nefesh yikara. Every Jew is a precious soul. It's carved from the tzur of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, these words point out the power of the adulteress that she can even take and grab hold of a very respected person. There's a Mishnah Perkei Avot that many of us are familiar with. That a person should not engage in conversation with a woman. In reference, this is talking about his wife, all the more so with the wife of his friend. The Mishnah is a person that does so brings evil to himself, the Mishnah concludes. He neglects the Torah study and will eventually inherit Geinam. Rabbeinu Yonah, on this Mishnah, warns of the dangers of a person who associates with an evil woman. Again, I just want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. We can study these Pesukim to mean literally, uh, in its literal form, engaging in talk with uh, an evil woman, or we can be focusing in its metaphorical form, which is that, it's referring to heresy, idolatry, and um, not following the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he's saying the Mishnah implies that if a person delves in excessive conversation with a woman, it will lead 
a person to more serious transgressions until the point that he reaches Gainam. The temptations of an evil woman can be worse than death. Death causes a person to lose his share in this world. But such a woman, the destruction that she brings causes a person a destruction of his soul for all of eternity. Can a man draw fire into his chest without his clothes being burned? It's a rhetorical question. How is that possible? The Miri says that these Pesukim that we're going to say now refer not only to the person who associates with an adulteress, but even one who pursues any sort of unbefitting materialistic excess, alcohol, drugs, gambling, so on and so forth. It hinders a person from perfecting his character. That is called his clothing. A person's clothing is not just the wool sweater that he owns or the cotton shirt. The clothing is the midot that he has. It is a trait that, that carry with him that enclose his soul. And therefore, it has an effect to literally burn what you have. Can a man walk on coals without his feet being scorched? Just like you can't light a fire on your clothing and it not catch. Just like you can't walk on coals and not be burned. Just as these two cases are impossibilities, so is it impossible for a person to be involved in adultery to avoid receiving a terrible, terrible punishment. So is one who consorts with his fellow's wife. In addition to the literal meaning, of course, we're talking about idol worshippers as well. Anyone who touches her will not be exonerated. Exonerated from what? From the appropriate punishment that's deserving. And throughout the Torah, where there are countless, countless times the Torah describes various punishments involved for a woman who acted unfaithfully and a man who acted unfaithfully. And almost all the times, it's, uh, it means death. Lo yavuzu la ganav ki gnov ki yirav. Now, Shlomo HaMelech says, you cannot compare adultery to that of a thief. A thief is not overly scorned if he steals to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. A person who steals is because he's hungry cannot be reprimanded the way that a person should be when he commits adultery. When the thief is found, when the thief is caught, he would pay even sevenfold, even give all of his wealth of his house, of his house, because stealing is not as bad. It's bad, but it's not as bad as immorality. Because the thief, again, probably stole because he was hungry. More than that, when a thief is caught, he can do teshuvah. He can make amends for his for his crime by returning or paying for the stolen goods. He does teshuvah. Even if the only way to, to make his victim uh, appeased is to pay many times over, even up to 50 times the amount of the theft. Money has the ability to smooth things over. And that's why here the number seven often signifies 
many. Shivataim you come, rather than literally seven. Shivataim lashon savea. Savea means you're satiated. You got a lot. You got abundant. You're full. So the the thief can pay and pay and pay more, and eventually the victim will be uh, will be appeased. He's okay. He'll be pacified. Sevenfold also can refer to a case where a person steals an animal and utensils and then slaughters the ox. He slaughters the animal. For those that aren't aware, the Torah gave a penalty to a person who steals an animal um, and and uh, or a regular object. If a person steals an animal and slaughters the animal, the penalty is five times for cattle and four times for sheep. That's what he has to pay back in return. But if it's a regular object, he has to pay two times. We call that kefil. So he repays five times for the cattle and kefil, double payment for the utensils, totaling seven. So even if he must sell all of his possessions to repay what he owes, but at least he has means to rectify his sin. And again, that, that whole theft was motivated by hunger. So the most he would have to repay is his net worth. That's the most things he would have to pay. But he will not have to suffer a plague on his soul, as the adulterer will. It's just paying back the money. It's hard. It takes time. But that's what needs to be done. But once you, but when a person commits adultery, when a person delves in immorality, there's, a, there's a, an arrow that gets shot through his neshama that cannot be rectified on this world. And those are the two differences, the two aspects where the thief is better off than the adulterer. One, the thief stole out of necessity because he's hungry. And two, there's a limit to his punishment. Rashi quotes a Midrashic interpretation of these Pesukim. What does it mean? Lo yavuzu ganav. They will not scorn the thief. He says this refers to one who steals away from his friends. He leaves the vicinity of his friends and goes to the Bet Midrash to study Torah and immerse himself in learning. And when he is found, he would pay sevenfold. What does that mean? Eventually, he's going to be appointed a judge. He's going to be appointed a teacher for Klal Israel. He's going to instruct and teach other people and determine what they need to do. The word Shiva'ataim, sevenfold, alludes to the Torah because we find the words of Hashem described as Mezukach Shiva'ataim. As well, many people are unaware of this. We call it the Chamishachum She'i Torah, the five books of Moshe. But in reality, there are seven books of Moshe. We've said this in a previous class. There are seven books. There's Bereshit, Shemot, Vaikra, Devarim. Bamidbar, which is the fourth book that I purposely skipped, is actually three books in one. Somewhere in Parashat Balotcham, I believe by Shishi, you will, we will, there's an end of a Parashat and then a backwards noon. That concludes book number one of Bamidbar. Then there's two Pesukim, Vahibin Soharon Vayomer Moshe. That's another book, two Pesukim, and then from that point to the end. So Bamidbar is actually comprised of three books. In total, there are seven. Shivataim Yukam is the seven books of the Torah will, um, will, when he's found, that's what's going to keep him up. That's what's going to allow him to pass over the Torah and teach it to the other people. And that's how Rashi interprets this book, this Pasuk, Midrashically. Noef Isha Chasar Lev. But again, 
he who commits adultery, that person who delves in that horrible sin, he is lacking an understanding of the heart. An adulterer is void of understanding because he was not forced to sin by hunger. Mashchit nafsho hu He's a destroyer of his soul will do this. A destroyer of soul will do this he will, when he commits a sin of immorality. Besides the fact that through his um, through his relations with this woman, he's mashchit zera levatala. He gets rid of his of his seed in vain, which is also considered like like murdering, like mashchitza, like mamash killing, a destroying of a soul. That's what a person does when he goes with a woman that is not his wife. Nega vekalon yimsa. Plague and shame will he find. Plagues come because of the sins of adultery and idolatry. An adulterer, we said, will receive a plague from Shamaim and will be disgraced among the people and will be severely wounded by who? The husband who was betrayed. And it will not be forgotten. A thief pays for his crime only with money. But the philanderer suffers a plague. Whereas one does not scorn the thief for his crime, the philanderer, the adulterer, the adulteress is the object of shame. And whereas the thief's disgrace ends when he pays back the money that he's owed, it's not the same by the adulterer. His disgrace is never erased. His disgrace is never erased because this sin cannot be rectified. The Chachamim in Masechet Chagiga Daftet Amur Aleph explain that when one had relations with a married woman and had a child with that woman, this is an example of the Pasuk Me'ovat Lo Yuchal Litkon. Very famous Pasuk from Shlomo Melech in the book of Kohelet, which means a twisted thing cannot be made straight. Always give this example. This this pasuk is brought in in other places in Talmud. If you remember the old slinky game where you used to the slinky that used to roll down the stairs and we used to have fun with it as kids. They still make them today. If you pull too much on the slinky, then it gets out of whack. It 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 becomes twisted. You can never fix that thing. It's over. You know you can never get it back to the way it is. Something that's become twisted can never be straightened again. This is an example of that. A person that, God forbid, had a child with a married woman because a child born of such a union carries this eternal stigma. On the other hand, a robber or a thief could return what was stolen and rectify his sin. That is not considered something that is considered twisted, that can't be made straight. hamat gaver velo yachmol beyom nakam. For jealousy ignites a husband's wrath and he will not have mercy on the day of revenge. The feeling of vengeance will arouse the anger of the husband of the adulteress. He will have no mercy on the adulterer when the opportunity arises for revenge. According to Rashi, Gever here refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Gever is Gibor. He is the Gibor Alakol. He is the mighty one over all. And therefore, it's the wrath of God will be kindled to take revenge and punish the adulterer, and he will have no compassion 
on the day of revenge. Finally, Shlomo HaMelech concludes the Perek, Lo Isa Penei Kol Kofir. He will not be appeased by any ransom. The husband will not accept any form of ransom to appease his anger against the adulterer. Hashem will not accept any money to atone for a person who had denied him and cleave to idolatry. Again, if we're explaining this in its metaphorical form, there's no way that God is going to be appeased. His wrath will be raging. Nor will he consent, though you give many bribes. He will not agree to forgive, even if you give many bribes. Unlike the sin of, the sin of theft, which we said, this sin will not be appeased with money. There's nothing you can do. What are you going to do if a person commits the sin of adultery? You give tzedakah, with tzedakah in the tzedakah box, it's over. You can't. You can't. You have to go ask for a mehila, and then the person that, but the damage is already done. And if, God forbid, the adultery, the evil woman here is in, is in reference to idolatry and heresy, then, unfortunately, maybe only mita, only death, can atone for those sins. This concludes the sixth chapter of Sefer Mishle. And Bezrat Hashem, next week, we will continue more of the wise words of Shlomo HaMelech in Perek Zayin. Wishing everyone a wonderful night ahead.